0: Welcome and thanks for joining us. My name is Simon Sesha, Director of the Museum of Colour and your host for this series, My Words Donations. As part of the My Words exhibition at the Museum of Colour, we have invited a number of poets to donate objects to our digital collection. These are items that have a real significance to them and their creative journeys this series is a chance to hear the stories behind those donations. And coming up, we'll be talking to Anthony Joseph.
1: My name is Anthony Joseph and I am a poet, a novelist, a musician and an academic.
0: Okay, so how would you describe your work?
1: Okay, Uh, I I was thinking of that. It's kind of difficult to describe your own work. I think It's easier to sort of look at where it comes from. You know, I'm a Trinidadian. I was born and raised in Trinidad. So I have a huge influence in the work. From Trinidad, from the Caribbean, from Caribbean rhythms of speech and Caribbean imagery, but also a strong sort of European leaning in terms of surrealism, uh, language poetry, and also working within music. So I think my friend, I have a friend called Laurie Ramey, Professor Laurie Ramey, who's who's from L.A., and she described the work as diasporic avant-garde. Which I think is pretty cool, Ooh. so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that. So yeah, it's I'm uh, I'm a, I'm a, go a diasporic go. avant-gardist.
0: <laughs> oh, we like yeah, that. We like good. that. We're absolutely happy with that. So, another question for you: When did you know yourself to be a poet?
1: That's a two-part question for me. It's a two-part answer because I remember when I started writing poetry. I remember the exact day, the exact moment when I sat down and thought, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to write something here." That was 1978. I was 11. I was in secondary school. It was my first year in secondary school. And I was really into music and really into lyrics and the stories and the imagery of music, just pop music sometimes. And I remember being in school one day and a lesson going on and my mind was elsewhere. And I decided I was going to write my own lyrics to a pop song that was really popular at the time, a Gino Vanelli song. And I started writing my own words to that. And then I thought, you know what, let me just try to write my own song. And I started writing song lyrics. And that was the point that I started writing rhyming verse. But I didn't know what that was. I didn't know I was a poet. I mean, I was, you know, 11 years old, 12 years old in Trinidad. I had no idea. But it became an obsession. And I started writing every day and filling these notebooks and copybooks. And then much later on, all the way into the early 90s, I was, I'd moved to London and I was living in Leyton. And I was laid up for a few weeks because I had a, a foot injury. I couldn't go anywhere. And I started looking through all the stuff that I'd brought with me from Trinidad. And there was a box of papers. And all these copy books that I'd collected and written through my teenage years, I started transcribing them onto this old word processor. It wasn't even a computer. It was like a a fancy typewriter. And at that point, I found some of the original poems. I found the original poem I'd written in 1978. And I found all these other books that I'd written, all these other collections and poems and poems and poems. And at that point, I realized, yeah, okay, this is is it. This is where you are. You're a poet. Yeah. Yeah.
0: OK. So, right. So, you know, you were really clear about that. It was a two-part story. Yeah, there's yeah. when you start and then there's when you went back and re-remembered. Yeah.
1: And realised what it was. Yeah.
0: That's beautiful. So, Anthony, because you write both poetry and novels, when you have an idea or an inspiration or a spark hits... How long do you know whether it needs to be a poem or whether it needs to be a novel? How do you know which direction to take that spark in?
1: Well, you know, I think uh, poetry is about images and moments and particular feelings, or particular emotional experiences. And they usually come to me in moments. They come to me as a fragment. So I remember a particular image or a particular place. And I would want to write about it. But I think a novel is, you know, it's the difference between like one song and an album. You know, if you think of a a novel, you're thinking of a wider constellation. You're thinking of a wider constellation of maybe interlinked stories, or you're thinking of process. You're thinking of a process of time. I think that's the difference. I think it's time. It's about spatial time. A novel, there's a passage of time. There's one point that you begin and it ends in a particular place and sometimes you don't know exactly where it's going to go but you know that you're dealing with a period of time whereas a poem kind of comes to me like a punch it's like it's a moment you're you're capturing a moment like a photographer so you capture a still okay. image a filmmaker is more of a novelist does that make sense <laughs> that makes sense
0: because yeah. what you're basically Thing. it's like a, a poet is like a photographer but capturing yes. the moment in words instead of the yes. still yeah, yeah. yeah okay absolutely. beautiful thank you mm-hmm. thank you I feel You're welcome. Something. <laughs> <laughs> okay so we've asked you to donate objects to the museum mm-hmm. of color but just before you talk to us about those what is your relationship with museums how do you feel about them and how do you feel about being in a museum
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest, it's kind of problematic for me, because coming from Trinidad, coming from a place that was once colonized, my understanding and my first sort of experience and introduction to a museum was a colonial setup, you know, where you there's this colonial building that was built in the Victorian times in Trinidad, it's white building, very austere, you know. And you go in there and everything is laid out. And it's that kind of idea of of what a museum is kind of stayed with me for a long time. Like a museum was this colonial construct where colonizers, European colonizers, collected everything from Africa, all these beautiful artifacts from the Caribbean or Africa or uh, Latin America and put them into this place for us to look at, you know. So there's that. But of course, that has changed now as I've gotten older and I've, I've been exposed to other ideas around museums I see a lot of uh, the work of a museum now especially the museum like this, something like what you're doing as more of an archive rather than a museum piece that we look at from a distance it's part of the living experience of people I, I think when a museum becomes part of the living day-to-day experience of people where people can go to it and remember who they are in the present and definitely for me to be part of it I think it's important because I think I have a voice that is worth hearing as a poet. You know, I've been writing a long time. So I think it's worth it for people like myself and my generation who are artists and writers to be archived, to be put in a place, you know, in the original sense of the word museum, a place where we study the arts, where we put the arts and culture and we study them. I think it's important for this generation and for generations to come. I want generations in 20, 30 years down the line to be able to go somewhere and say, oh, this is what this guy was doing. We don't come from nothing, you know, we come from somewhere. That's what I feel. I think it's important. There's one more thing I need to add to that, and that is as as Caribbean people, so much of our history and culture is lost. So much of it is lived in the moment and gone. So I think poets and writers become like historians and keepers of the culture. You know, we become biographers and historians. And we keep we keep the culture, yes, and
0: it's important that we keep you <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is it's important it's important that we keep you, and that, like you said, mm. generations to come have a sense of what you were doing, where you were, and you know your, your rhythms, your words. Okay, so yes, now let's talk about what you're donating. So tell me what the first donation is and why you'd like to share it.
1: Well, I donated a couple of my exercise books, the, the things that I was speaking about earlier. And these are things that I was filling in Trinidad. I used to fill like one a month. I had this sort of regime where I would fill these. They were like 60 pages, sometimes more, 120 pages of, of just exercise books. And I would write like every day and fill them. And the ones that I submitted, I probably from the 80s or something like that, and they're special to me because they kind of remind me that I've been doing this for a long time. And sometimes it's fun to go back to them and read them, you know. And some of them are terrible, you know. It's really amateur verse, but it's still, it's it's me. It's part of who I am. It's uh, I'm really into memorializing you know keeping remembering holding on to not necessarily the past but holding on to your identity as it evolves through time I think it's important so I, I yeah for me it's special these are the the origins of what I do
0: absolutely I don't know it's interesting you say you know some of them are no good but I don't know who said this but you mm-hmm. have to know bad to know good <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: yeah. yeah yeah you have to and you have to I think also as an artist potentially allow yourself to be bad
1: to mm-hmm. get good yeah, so yeah,
0: it's it's all, it's
1: all part of it I think they are truly artifacts in the sense that they've become for me sort of artworks in themselves they've become objects that I can look back on and see you know where I was and stuff and I, I hope that people can come to it and see that we all have a place that we start and this was where I started and the start could be really humble for me it shows a level of commitment to the craft you can't just arrive fully formed. You have to work at it. And you have to write in pencil before you can write in pen. You know, you've got to write in exercise books for years before you can be a published author. So I, I hope that what it, people could take from it, younger writers could take, is that you got to pay your dues. You've got to start small and then develop. I think that's that's it.
0: So it's about commitment.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's about commitment to the craft, I think, Yeah. I mean, not, not everyone starts as young as 11 years old, but um, it takes you a bit of time to learn how to become a poet. It takes a long time. So the point at which you start is usually quite humble. Everything has a, a point at the it begins. And this is where I began.
0: So we are now going to hear one of your poems. Which poem have you chosen to share with us and why did you choose it?
1: Uh, I've chosen a poem from the latest collection, Sonnets for Albert which came out in June this year, in 2022. There's a poem here called POSGH1, which is Port of Spain General Hospital 1, which is the hospital I was born in. It's an old colonial hospital. It's built in the probably the 1800s, Victorian times. And it's along the the same route that the carnival passes. And when my father was very ill, and dying, essentially, he spent some time there. He was kind of in and out of there with various things. So it's that, it's it's, it's related to my dad being there. It's related to me being born into Trinidad in this, at this point. It's also got a narrative about my mother in there. My mother died there as well. So yeah, there's a lot in there and it's packed into the poem. P-O-S-G-H-1. Having caught his first heart attack, The big man gives me hope to hold, says he feels good enough to leave. He flirts with the nurses. He is in hospital on Charlotte Street, the hospital that always smells of burnt milk and disinfectant. The same hospital of first consciousness where I visited my grandfather after his blackout and sickness in 1977 after stopping with my grandmother on Gordon Street Corner to buy the old bull peanut punch and Mopsy biscuit. The hospital of windows from where I watched blue smoke rise from the morgue and turned away from my mother's bed to catch my evening flight. Two days later, she blinked hard into cancerous death. The same ex-colonial hospital by Memorial Park where my father once lifted me onto his shoulders so I could see the carnival pass.
0: Thank you to Anthony Joseph for being part of our exhibition and donating to the Museum of Colour. To view the donations photographed by Sharon Wallace and the portraits by Derek Akembo, head to www.museumofcolour.org.uk where you can explore the rest of the My Words exhibition and discover our growing digital collection. My Words Donations is presented by me, Samuel Walsesha, and is produced by Stella Sabin for the Museum of Colour. Further episodes of this series are available across all podcast platforms, where you can also listen to our previous project, Respect Due. The music you have heard in this series is by the fabulous Randolph Matthews. You can listen to more of his work at www.randolphmatthews.com. My Words is supported by the National Lottery Heritage Fund, Arts Council England and the Foyle Foundation. Museum of Colour is incubated at People's Palace Projects based at Queen Mary University, London. Thank you for listening.